1. This will be part 2 of last week's. And I pray that um, we can get through this because I don't have enough material for a part 3. <laughs> but uh, I have quite a bit of material here for a part 2. So I, it's quite a quandary <laughs> that we're in. Mark chapter 1, let's read the story again, starting in verse 40. And there came a leper. We can just write whosoever here, any leper. It's not important to the story who the leper was. Uh, the spirit and bride say come. And whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. Uh, so... Uh, this unnamed leper, just any old, any old leper came. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him. And Matthew and Luke in the same account says worshipped, or actually just Matthew, said worshipped. And he received worship, didn't he? And saying, if thou wilt... Thou canst make me clean. And that's how far we got last week. The confession of the leper. That the only thing, the only preventer there is, is the will of Christ. If you are willing, you can. He's able. And we are going to see that he confirms this declaration, this statement of faith of the leper. So let's pick up from here. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and says unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. And straightly, and he straightly charged him, saying, forthwith, and forthwith sent him away, and says unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priests, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded, for a testimony unto them. But he went on, and began to publish it much, and to blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places, and they came to him from every quarter. Now, we covered quite a bit last week about this leper and this matter of leprosy. One of the things that we talked about and we're going to see the implications of is, especially in verse 44, is this fact that that there was in the scriptures this idea that only God can heal leprosy. Uh, we remember the two idea, uh, the idea of Naaman, or not the idea, the story of Naaman. Naaman came, he was full of leprosy, and he came to the king and said, uh, this, this little girl that we took as a slave, she said that, that, she said that you could heal me of your leprosy. And he says, am I God? And also, in that very same account, this idea that it proclaims the healing of leprosy, Elisha answered the king, send him to me, 
and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. And the only other instance of leprosy being healed was in the story of Miriam, whereby she got she and her brother, that is, Aaron, she was probably chief among them since God struck her with leprosy, but they got mad over the interracial marriage of Moses and began to speak against Moses, and God struck her with leprosy. And Moses mediated for her, prayed for her, and God healed her, and she was shut out of the camp as unclean for seven days before being able to join, rejoin. Those are the only two instances in leprosy who was ever healed. So there's this expectation that there is a prophet that is coming like unto Moses. Acts chapter 3 says that's Jesus. And that there is now a prophet in Israel. Jesus Christ is that prophet. And there's also, we talked about the expectation of the law. Leviticus, I know you all love the book of Leviticus. <laughs> and it's probably your favorite book in the Bible, the one you want to read the most. Leviticus spends two whole chapters on leprosy. One whole chapter with 70 some odd verses in it was just in identifying it. And then the 14th chapter of Leviticus opens with, and when it is cleansed, not if it is cleansed, but when it is cleansed, they need to offer certain things. The law had this expectation. Go over now to the Sermon on the Mount, which is near the time. You all know where the Sermon on the Mount is, right? Matthew chapter 5. Let's, let's go there. Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says this about his relationship with the law. He says, in verse 17, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. I present to you that this is exactly what we're seeing in this text. This law was waiting for cleansing. We don't know that such sacrifices were ever offered. The law was waiting for a prophet. Or, and here is the declaration. So we ended here, going back to Mark chapter 1, with this confession. Why did the leper believe what he believed? Well, he heard this man speaking with authority. And he believed it. He believed Jesus had authority. And he saw the sick being brought to him and leaving well. The demonized being brought to him and leaving in sound mind. And he came to this conclusion, this statement of faith. If he wanted to, he could heal this body that is full of leprosy. And he simply brought this statement of faith. If you will, you can make me clean. So we move from that statement of faith that is laid now at the feet of Jesus Christ and we'll march through this text now 
the rest of this text with that understanding put into our rearview mirror so we know where we are headed. And in verse 41, I love, I love this. Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. Now, at the very least, what we have here is Jesus Christ confirmed the statement of faith of verse 40. He confirmed it. And by the way, as we, compare, as we, as we look at him kneeling down before Christ, Matthew saying that he worshipped Christ, not only was he confirming the statement of faith, but he was confirming the rightness of the worship he was receiving. There is no doubt, Mark is showing here plainly that Jesus Christ is Lord. We talked last week about some of the Muslim scholars and some of the, some of the atheist scholars will say, well, Mark was written first and then Matthew and Luke was written after and they were dependent upon Mark. And uh, Matthew used the word Lord and Luke used the word Lord, but the word is not here in Mark, so they've added to it. So you see how the gospel is being invented as they go along. That's all theory. We don't know that Mark was written first. And they were writing independently. But what we do know here, this story is claiming that Jesus is Lord. Even if, it doesn't, even if Mark did not use the word kurios, if he did not use the word Lord, can you doubt that verse 41 declares the Lordship of Jesus Christ? There is no doubt that Mark is declaring and showing that Jesus is Lord. And so we, we, we begin... Uh, with a participle of result. Jesus was moved with compassion. This, this, this passive participle, he was moved with it. Our Lord was moved by his compassion towards this man. He looked at this man's suffering. He looked at this man, ate up with leprosy, and he was compassionate upon him. He was moved by this man falling before him, declaring his faith in him, and it moved him. Now, this is very particular to Mark. Mark is zeroing in on the compassion of Christ that moved him to heal this man, whereas Matthew and Luke do not mention it. But he became compassionated. He became uh, merciful. Mercy moved him. He hears the cries of his people. Amen? Turn to, real quick, hold your finger there in Mark, and turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, where it says at the very end, you are very familiar with this, and we will come back to this very idea here in a second, but I just want you to see the first part of this in verse 14, or actually verse 15, but seeing that, verse 14, seeing that we have a great high priest that has passed into, into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Why are we even thinking about letting go? <laughs> Amen. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Amen. That's what's being described here in Mark. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly 
Here we see Christ touched with the feeling of infirmities. He was moved with compassion. And His willingness to save is here driven by His desire to save. So we're building up to this fact that He's a willing Savior based upon the statement of faith. If you will, you can make me whole. And He was moved by compassion. Then what follows is a participle of result. Jesus moved with compassion, put forth His hands. So, the passive result of being moved with compassion brought forth the action of the will. So, we're seeing before the declaration that He will, the action of Christ being willing. He literally... Now, I want you to think about this for a second. And before we think about it, turn again to the book of Leviticus. Now, it's probably the most worn out part of your Bible, right? So, Leviticus chapter 5. Now, this portion does not specifically deal with leprosy, but it deals with this concept Leprosy is uncleanness. Leviticus chapter 5, and we're going to have to deal with this here. Or if a soul, verse 2, Leviticus 5, 2, or if a soul touch any unclean thing, whether it be the carcass of an unclean beast or the carcass of unclean cattle or the carcass of unclean creeping things, and it be hidden from him... He also shall be unclean and guilty. And if he touch the uncleanness of man, whatsoever uncleanness it be, that a man shall be defiled withal, and it be hid from him. When he knoweth it, then he shall be guilty. So the law does not permit us corruptible, sinful people to corrupt ourselves with the corruption of others, right? Don't touch, amen? Now go back to Mark. We have this participle of result. He's beseeching him, or uh, he's moved with compassion, puts forth his hand and touched him. This is the action of will. He he touched the unclean. Nothing yet has been said. No revelation has been made about his will. He reaches out and he touches the unclean. And I hope this is not lost on us. He touched the man that was full of leprosy. What happens here under the law? Do you not see the great compassion being brought forth here? Uh... There are many stories in the scripture that talks about such compassion. We think about the we think about the uh, good Samaritan beaten, bloodied, and the man got down and picked him up, touched with the feeling of his infirmities. See the the compassion here. He touched him. 
his act of compassion would have made him unclean in the law. Himself unclean. And, but he willingly and in compassion touched him. The holy made himself unclean. The righteous made himself guilty. That's exactly what Leviticus tells us. And does that not just foreshadow some things for us? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, for instance, He who know no sin was made to be sin for us. Uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, He became a curse for us. Here we see a foreshadowing, and there, but there's more to it than that. He's Lord. He's not a corruptible man. He's holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens. Uh, he, he, he is Lord, and He had power over the, unsick, uh, or, or the sickness, and He had power over uncleanness, and it could not make Him impure. He's going back to Hebrews it says he was touched with the feeling of our infirmities being tempted as we are in all ways and then what's the rest of it without sin there's no difference here than him touching his Peter's mother-in-law and the fever leaving her later on he's going to touch the dead child of Jairus it didn't make him unclean it made her alive and it didn't make him unclean to touch a leper it made the leper clean he in his incarnation and humilities and humiliation touched all parts of our humanity without sin he was tender with his power, merciful with his holiness. Barnes stated this, The fact that Jesus touched him was evidence that the prerequisite power had already put forth to heal him, and Jesus regarded him as already clean. So he touched him. And just like he made the, uh, the dead alive with his touch, he made the unclean clean with his touch. He, why? Because he's Lord. And the fact that he would, this man leaves cleansed shows us that. And then he reveals his will. I'm, I'm, I'm always baffled that I don't always understand why things are happening. <laughs> but uh, here we have his will revealed last, after he acts. What does he say? The man asked, if, I, if thou wilt, he says, I will. You can make me clean? He said, be clean. He, uh, it was Jerome, St. Saint, Saint Jerome, who said, he answered both parts of the statement of faith that was given by the man. I will be you clean. I will. Barnes again stated, here was a most manifest proof of his divine power. None but God can work a miracle, yet Jesus does it by his own will don't tell me mark was not saying jesus is lord he said i will he didn't say i'm gonna see i'm a... no he said i will 
In his own name, by his own power, he was sovereign, he was able. And he thus gave the command. He, fought, he says, I will be clean. So he speaks with authority and gives the command, be cleansed. His will is our means of grace. And then we see the blessed result. I'm just marching through this text. I hope we see some things as we go through uh, based upon what we've already introduced last week and, and went over. But the blessed result in verse 42. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. This is the blessed result. Now, there, there, there's, a, there's a variant here, um, but it's, it's, not, it's not a super important variant. The point is, is that it immediately happens. And Matthew and Luke, Matthew 8.3, Luke 5.13, uh, uh, tells us this. I, I, love how, I love how it's described, though. It says, and after he had spoken... Immediately, the leprosy departed. The leprosy departed from him. And you get this idea here in the words that are used uh, that the leprosy fled from him like, a, like an enemy fleeing from the battlefield. It was no different than the fever departing or the demons being cast out. All that the curse of sin has touched must flee from the Lord, like all other invading enemies. And then the very last part of it, I, I don't want to belabor the points that are here, but he was cleansed. Cleansed solely by the grace of Jesus Christ. Ceremonially cleansed, that's what he was looking for. We talked last week, this is a matter of cleansing, and cleansing comes from God. Cleansing here comes from Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And this is, a, the, the, this is a matter. He was healed physically of his leprosy, but he was cleansed here by Christ. That which separated him from the people of God was now gone. That which separated him from being able to go to the temple before God, gone. He was cleansed. Only the grace of Christ can restore us. Pulpit commentary says this, His will is His omnipotence. By this act, Christ showed that He came into the world as the great physician, that He might cure all diseases and cleanse us from all defilements. We sing that song sometimes. The great physician now is near, the, the, the sympathizing Jesus. So Jesus goes on, and I want to continue this theme of his lordship by seeing what follows this. Verse 43. So Christ did not only show his lordship over the leprosy, but over the one that was cleansed. Now, there's not much really to talk about here in the 43rd verse, but it says, And he straightly charged him, and forthwith sent, forthwith sent him away. He charged him. He didn't charge him money. <laughs> he gave command. In fact, Luke uses a different word. Um, 
And we'll talk about that in a second because I can't find it in my notes immediately. But Luke uses a different word where he's actually giving a command like a general gives to the people on the battlefield. So here, the, uh, the, uh, let's go back. Just this idea of lordship. We cannot see him as lord over our enemies without also seeing him as lord over us. And this is a very unfortunate story from this part, this part downward. This man was willing to trust him to cleanse his leprosy, but we're going to find that he's not an obedient person. I think we have a lot of this very, very spirit in our age. I'll trust Jesus as a Savior, but I'm not going to follow him as Lord, as my Lord. Is that not how people see things nowadays? They got this flu shot. They said a sinner's prayer. <laughs> and now they're inoculated. Now, now everything's okay with them, and they're not, they're not hearing Christ. You cannot see him lord over your enemies and not lord over you. His lordship here is not described as even very kind. He charged him. And, the, the, and, and, and in this sense, uh, this, this idea is, is, is that... Uh, he sternly admonished. He was correcting something about this man. He charged him. And sometimes this very word that is, that is translated charge has this sniffing with anger. Uh, that, but, but this idea is he was very stern with this man. He says, I'm your authority. And therefore, in Luke says, he commanded him like a general. You know, Jesus Christ has all right over you. I hope that that's something every one of us has figured out. He has a right to define every part of our lives. There is not one part of your life, there is not one part of your thought life, or what you do in the physical world with your hands and your feet or anything else, anything you do with your members, He rules over Now, I don't know why such sternness is given by Mark. Mark highlights the sternness. But this I do know, he's Lord and we're his. You've been bought with a price. Amen? Why do you say, Lord, Lord, and not do the things I say? That's what Christ would later say to many. I don't know how, I, I, I don't want to get into reading deeper into the meaning here, but I do know when we get to verse 45, this man has very little to do with the command of Christ on his life. So I don't want to get into deeper of, of any kind of what meaning behind this. I, I, uh, we could get into pictures of Israel overall. Uh, making clean the outside of the cup but, and things of that nature. And I, I don't want to get into just a lot of speculation. But only here in verse 43, not only was he Lord over my leprosy, he's Lord over me. Okay? Verse 44, Christ had a purpose. And we already know a little bit about that purpose because we've seen the background of leprosy in the Old Testament everything that it means, everything, and all that. We've already seen this. But Christ had a purpose. Let's read this purpose. 
this is what he sternly says to this man. See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded. Why? For a witness. We talked about he's gone from the he's gone from the Jordan to the to the to the city to the synagogue, and now he's sending them his emissaries to the temple. He had a purpose for a testimony to them. They needed to know they've been offering these sacrifices day after day after day for sins. They've been offering the same sacrifices which can never take away sin, but they needed to know there's cleansing. Real, true cleansing. So he gives two present commands. Now, I I have to say, even when I'm looking at the commentaries on this, they say, well, we kind of understand why this guy did what he did, you know, excited and went out. I don't think that's how we should be reading this. I think we should get to verse 45 and say, this man's disobedient. But he gave two present commands here. First, observe. We have that translated just see. Observe. That means uh, pay close attention to this, what I'm saying. This is what is important for you right now. And then you have the second command, go. These are present imperatives. That means he he didn't intend that this man is, you're, you're never supposed to speak about your cleansing to anybody, ever. So what's the command? Right now, well, we don't believe that any more than we believe he's supposed to constantly, for the rest of his life, be going to the temple. Right now, in this very second, present imperative, you keep your mouth shut and go to the temple. You could, after that, you could blaze it abroad all you want. We remember the, uh, we, we talked the last week or the week before about the, uh, the prophet, the unnamed prophet. Go to Samaria, preach against Samaria, go out the other way. I don't remember what the, why we were even talking about this a couple weeks ago. The man went to Samaria, preached against the calves, preached against Jeroboam, starts going out the other way, and then another says, hey, God told me, God changed his mind. Come come eat at my house. Well, we have that very very same thing. God presently is giving this man a command. Observe and go. He didn't intend that this man could never speak, just not right now. Why? Because this man had an important mission. And it had to be done without delay. See, the book of Leviticus didn't say, well, when you're cleansed, wait a couple weeks and then come. (laughs) Offer your sacrifices and your thanksgiving offerings and all this. But there's no delay in the law. But he he had a testimony to give. There's cleansing now for Israel. 
priests needed to verify and offer these sacrifices, the very sacrifices that the law demanded, Luke 4, 14, 4, and on through verse 10. Why? Because Christ didn't come to destroy the law, he came to fulfill it. And by the way, this isn't the only instance that that happened. I, you remember there was, in Luke chapter 17, there's going to be 10 lepers. Right? What's he going to tell them to do? Go. Offer your sacrifices. And nine of those weren't even thankful. Christ honored the law. And the law was to be fulfilled. Christ is the end of the law. Romans 10, 4. And by the way, the purpose of the law is seen here. Offer those things which Moses commanded for a testimony. If you get a chance later, start reading in John chapter 5, starting in verse 39 through the end of that chapter. And you're going to learn one thing. He starts by saying, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And those scriptures are the ones that speak of me. And he says, Moses wrote about me. Moses gave testimony. If you believe Moses, you would have believed that I am. Moses gave testimony. It serves as a witness to the heart of Israel's worship that a greater than Moses, a prophet was now among them. A means of cleansing was now among them. And Christ honors Moses who testifies of him. And then we have the disobedience, this typical pattern. He heard not. He disobeyed. He did not obey, but it says in the end. He went out and began to publish it. It didn't say he went to the temple. I don't know if he ever made it to the temple. But he went out and began to publish it much and to blaze it abroad. As soon as he left, he forgot what Christ had said. And he began to, well, guess what happened to me? Man, look at this. Man, can you believe this? And he starts bragging about everything and maybe even bragging about Jesus. Let me share this with you. Not everybody that's speaking well of Jesus is obedient to him. Amen? I know know people that that speak of Jesus all the time, and they're the most wicked people I know. Uh, Paul says, uh, some people speak of Christ based upon envy, some people strife, some people preach Christ and wanting to add bonds to me and hurt me more. And he says, well, I'm I'm just happy Christ is preached. But, But not everybody that preaches Christ is obedient to Christ. I know that's a shocker, right? (laughs) Not everybody that names the name of Christ has Christ as their Lord. Jesus was said of the whole of the people of Israel later. That this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. I pray that's no one here. Your Christianity is just in your words. So this is so what was the result of this man's disobedience? 
and I don't, there's no reason to spend a lot of time on this, but Jesus could no more openly enter the city. For, for a moment of time, it hindered the work. Not ultimately. The kingdom's still going forward, and that's what Mark's going to continue to preach all the way to his conquering on the cross and putting all rule and authority under him. But for the time, he could no longer openly go into the city, and people had to go out to him from every quarter. I want to end just by saying this. Let us who have experienced his grace not be a hindrance to his work by not obeying his words. The greatest witness you and I can have is an obedient witness. The greatest witness you can have of Christ in your life is he's Lord over what I do in this present moment. And I hope that we can learn that lesson. I hope as we went through this and that we were able to put some things together, let's be Let's, let's stand and we'll be dismissed. Uh, there's no invitation, but uh, or there's no altar call, but uh, the invitation's open. If anybody here is lost, I'd love to tell you how you can know Christ and just come speak to me or one of the ladies, and we'll do so. Let's go ahead and, and finish again with that chorus, Christ is all I need.